Hello, and welcome to the Urban Dharma NC podcast. In this eighth part of a series, Dorje Lopan Dr. Hanlai teaches about the songs of Milarepa, the 11th century Tibetan saint who reached the ultimate state of awakening. The presentation of these profound songs is integrated with teachings on the Guru Yoga of Milarepa Sadhana in order to introduce a more contemplative and experience-based approach to practicing this liturgy. Urban Dharma is a Buddhist temple in the heart of Asheville, North Carolina. We are supported by your generosity and by our online store, TibetanSpirit.com. To learn more about us, come visit our temple in person or look us up online at UdharmaNC.com. Thanks for listening. So now we turn to the next song in this larger pamphlet, larger booklet of um, a collection, small collection of Milarepa songs, uh, the song of the seven truths. So Milarepa, as often with actually many of these songs, uh, begins by paying homage to his guru, Marpa Lotzawa. So the first line. Um, some of these other songs are, are part of a larger kind of encounter. And so you know, Milarepa is singing yes, songs throughout. It's, it's usually encountering someone, some situation, then he sings. And so some of the other songs don't have uh, homage to Marpa, um, but actually because they are extracted from a longer story, so you don't see that. But otherwise, he always begins by paying homage to his guru, to Marpa Lotawa. Please grant me increase in bodhicitta. So here he goes, he sings first. If you do not understand the authentic words, however, be, however beautiful the song may be, it is but a tune. <laughs> so, you know, a sense of irony here. And probably a lot of people liked listening to Milare Basing. His name was Topaga, right? Uh, pleasant to hear. So probably had a good voice. And when he sang, you know, people are really touched. But being the Buddhist that he is, <laughs> he's going to say, ah, 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 hold on, don't get all emotional. If you do not understand uh, these words, then however beautiful the song may be, uh, it is just a tune. It's just playing with your emotions. Don't get carried away. You have to understand the meaning of these words. Then he uses a lot of parables, you know, when he teaches. Examples, metaphors. 
And he says, but if a parable does not agree with the Buddha's teachings, however eloquent it may sound, it is but a booming echo. <laughs> that means insubstantial. It's just echoes. It's booming. Loud echo. So when we uh, listen to the parable, and we ask, you know, so what, what, is, what is the take-home lesson here? Yeah. What, what is it that I'm supposed to you know, understand from here? Right? And, 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 and is what is, is, what is uh, attempted here to communicate in agreement with the Buddha's teachings? You know? And so often it's hard for us to exactly know. But I think we have a sense, you know, many of us, like, uh, yes, this is, you know, a Dharma statement. And then sometimes it's like, no, there's something about it, right? <laughs> and so there's these, like, uh, kind of parody websites called nohididnotsayit.com. Uh, no, the Buddha did not say it.com. <laughs> they'll look for these memes that turn up on Facebook, you know. And there should probably be another one, you know. No, the Dalai Lama did not say it.com. I saw some supposed things the Dalai Lama said. I'm like, no, some new age guru, you know, turned that out. It's not that it's wrong. You know, it's not like putting some, like, hate speech, you know, and attributing it to Dalai Lama. It's all very lovey, you know. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with the statement itself. But uh, it doesn't quite match often, you know. The dar- dharma's like stronger point. Yeah? So then it all so so it's hard, you know, for us to we're trying to figure out. But I think one safe, fail-proof way to kind of help you see yeah, is this reliable as Buddha's teachings or not? And Buddha gave one litmus test, right? And he said, that which accords with the Four Noble Truths are words of Buddha, even if I did not say them, literally. That which contradicts the Four Truths, even if you think, even if you hear it coming out of my mouth, those should not be taken as Buddha word. Should not be taken as Buddha word. Again, so don't get uh, kind of distracted, seduced by beautiful words. Um, you have to see you know, if these words are in accord with what Buddha taught. And um, yes, Milarepa will say, you know, scriptural studies and all of that, you know, it's a waste of time. If you have Milarepa guiding you, yes. <laughs> you know, don't spend that much time reading books. Uh, reading Buddha's books in translation. Uh, don't spend too much time. Rely on someone like Milarepa. If you don't have Milarepa there guiding you, then, you know, try to read Buddha's words. Um... 
Then, just reading Buddha's words um, is not enough, because if one does not experience the teachings, and the next one, however learned in the doctrines one may claim to be, one is only engaging. Yeah? You are only engaging in self-deception. If you don't experience the teachings. So experience here means to take into our lives, to apply in our lives. If we don't apply it, then there's no experience. Yeah? It's, it's sort of like uh, you go learn, right? You sign up for a class, for a woodworking class, and then you only do it in the class. And after you finish the class, you say, okay, I got it. But you never apply the skills that you were taught. Then at best, you just have some information that you have stored away. You don't have experience with woodworking. And then... You know, it's just information that you have. And as I said yesterday, you know, I think we probably have way more information than Milarepa had. For sure, we have more information in our heads than Milarepa did. Just general information. But even, I think, Dharma information, I suspect we probably have more than Milarepa had you know, when he came, when he left Marpa after receiving all the teachings that he needed. Compared to us, I think maybe we still have more information than Milarepa. But Milarepa put you know, the information that he received completely into experience into practice and so then we have Milarepa now we are singing to Milarepa and so far nobody is singing to us yet <laughs> not because we lack information we have a lot of information you know but we just collect information uh, we don't put it into practice And then you're only engaging in self-deception. Because you think, oh, when suffering comes, you know, uh, then I'll do a search from, uh, you know, on the system. Pull up transformation of suffering. <laughs> and then you find it on your hard drive, you know. And you open it up and you say, this is useless. It can't help me right now. Then you think Dharma is useless. Well, you know, if you never, after finishing your woodworking course, and if you never continue it, you, know, you have some information, some memory of having done something, but you're not going to be able to build something just like that. If one does not practice the instructions of the oral lineage, even if one were to live in solitude, it is but self-imprisonment. So you say, okay, now you want to put Dharma into practice. 
and you think, okay, I'm going to go into the mountains now. I'm going to go into a cave now. I'm going to go into my apartment now. But you're not practicing instructions of the oral lineage. What does that mean? Oral lineage here is actually, uh, literally, is kagyu. Ka is the the teachings, the verbal teachings of Buddhas. Buddhas have ka. Literally, it's sort of like command, like words with authority. And whether this authority comes from, not from, you know, Super Buddha, not from God, this authority comes from the fact that these words reveal that which is true. So it's the authority of reality. So they are called ka. Kagyu. Well, today, you know, when we say kagyu, we think of a particular lineage, one of the four or five main lineages of Tibetan Buddhism. But a more basic meaning, especially during Milarepa's time, he's not really talking about the institution, right? Because it wasn't until his, one of his students, Gampopa, that the Kagyu it was an institution, an organization, and all of that. So it wasn't until then that it became that. So at Milarepa's time when he says Kagyu, right, he's talking about the instructions that you get from your teacher. The instructions that he got from Marpa. That's Kagyu. And the instructions that he is giving his disciples. That's the Kagyu. And that's the more basic meaning that we should take and not turn this into some sectarian some sectarian claims of superiority. If the institution called Gagyu does not, right? If the institution called Gagyu does not continue these types of instructions from teacher to student, then we have lost the actual Gagyu. So this Gagyu here, if one does not practice the instructions of the Gagyu, of the oral lineage, so this means reliance on a personal teacher. Then, if you don't have that and you go into solitude, so solitude means that means you're not hanging around the teacher anymore. As I say, well, that's the danger. If, if, you, you, if you're not with the teacher to guide you, yeah, if you don't have that, then, even if you go into solitude, then it's just self-imprisonment. <laughs> you're just locking yourself up in a cell and thinking that you, know, you are doing good retreat. So that means here, even when you're ready, you think you're ready now to go do it on your own, if you don't have, if you don't keep in your heart the instructions from your teacher, then you're just locking yourself up in a cave, in a room, in the mountains, and it won't work. So constantly when Milarepa was in retreat, you know, is always remembering 
instructions that Marpa gave him. And and you know why? Because it was so difficult for him to get Marpa's instructions. Easy come, easy go. kind of teaches with worldly concerns, with the eight worldly concerns, you know. Mm. People who blah, blah, blah all the time, like here, you know, um, can talk for, what, yesterday was about six hours. The effect is not really that strong or powerful. As Marpa kind of teacher that says, you want teachings? How about you clean my house for six hours? And half at least will say, no, that's abuse. We're we're leaving. So walk out. The other half will start. Maybe half of those into the third hour will say, no, this is ridiculous. We're leaving. And the other half will continue. And then at the end of the six hours, teachers like Marpa maybe just need to say, you know, turn your minds to Dharma. That's better than the whole of yesterday that you spent six hours with all that information. Because it was obtained. Difficult. Why do people cherish diamonds? It's just some stupid stones. Because it's difficult to obtain. Yeah, if diamonds are easily obtained, nobody would care. You know, glitter, who cares? Because it's hard, you know. It's difficult to obtain. So when we get everything so easily, so comfortably, it's just like, ah, there's going to be more. You know? It's easy. Sure, we're making it easier. I, I, I do. I do believe that there is a good effect of making it easier for people to receive the teachings. So we're doing this live cast, right? But it also means, you know, <laughs> it's very easy right, to receive the teachings. Generally speaking, and I cannot say it's always the case, generally speaking, easy come, easy go. But we still do the live cast because we hope that if at least just one person somehow is easy come, hard to go, then it's good. So we do it, you know. Easy come, hard to go. (laughs) Uh, Because coming here entails inconvenience many different pieces we have to kind of rearrange 
But then increasingly, Dharma centers make it easy. That simply means everybody stay at home. Why are we shocked by events of this week? Fundamentally, nothing changed. What changed was our delusions of what's going on out there. <laughs> Why? Because we're all in our own cubby holes. The press is the biggest culprit in perpetuating, right? Not sounding like our president elect, but it's a fact. <laughs> as much as some of us don't like to admit, he was right and they were wrong. That how did we get here? Because it's more convenient to, to just stay in my house and people attend church by staying in their house. <laughs> now people attend Dharma by staying in the house. Again, don't get me wrong, I know people who cannot, you know. And so that's why I say can cannot, you know. Really trying to rearrange everything, you know, cannot be here. And so this is, live cast is really beneficial. But with everything, like technology, right, we have to use that cautiously. You know, like, we, we have this idea that the Amish, right? You all know the Amish, right? <laughs> and that, oh, the Amish, they have a rule against using technology, that's that's the kind of the the the, the kind of uh, superficial view right? that Amish people uh, have a rule against technology. Uh, but actually, the little that I know about them is like if you actually ask uh, a, a, a kind of an Amish who knows their traditions well, this is what they will articulate. They will say, "No, we're not against technology." And you're like, "You got to be kidding me." Right? What do you mean you're not against technology? Look, you know, I remember when I first came to the U.S., it was 1989, and I was an undergraduate student, and uh, I was in the international house, like, watching a movie um, with a couple of other international students, and there was a student from China, you know, and... Um, so this movie, I don't know if you all remember this movie. It was um, Harrison Ford. What is that yeah, called? The Witness. The Witness, yes. So the opening scene, you know, you, some of you were not born yet, so... But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's only the Ford movie, I know. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, um, and the, 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 the opening scene, right, had, had a, a, a buggy, right, across the screen very slowly going across the screen, right? And there was someone, you know, driving and some behind. And then the, uh, the date came up, right? 1983 or whatever, right? And I remember one of the, the students from China, he, he goes, what the hell, 1883? You know, he thought it was a mistake, you know? He says, 1983, you know? And he goes, what the hell? 1883. I was like, no, 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 just wait. And then, you know, like the highway, you know, he was like, what? I said, like, yes. 
So, so, so on the surface, right, we think the Amish, you know, they're against technology. But actually, nowhere in their, in, in, in their beliefs says that, you know, we hate technology. It is that whenever a new technology turns up, the community will now decide. Are we accepting this technology or not? And how do they decide whether to accept this technology or not? What do you think? What do you think? Yes? Is it going to be a distraction from our spiritual practice? Yes, something like that. Or our community? Yes. Yes. It's like, will this take us away from our focus on our community, from each other? That's the fundamental question that we need to answer. We cannot begin by talking about how convenient it's going to make our lives. Because there's a certain understanding of human psychology that in some ways... We are, we are fundamentally sort of, in some ways, the, the, the kind of ego is so strong that it wants its own way. So is this technology going to facilitate yeah, the isolating? And if it is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how convenient it's going to make our lives. But because what is the meaning of our lives being convenient when we no longer interact with our community? So every decision of whether the phone is allowed or not is a question of is it going to be distracting us from our commitment to each other? And of course, you know, in their theology, commitment to God. And what God requires is that we commit to each other. Right? Love God with all your heart and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest of commandments. And so that is their guiding principle. Is this technology going to take us away from fulfilling the greatest of commandments? If it is, we're not going to take it. So, uh, as a practical thing, the Amish does a lot of business with non-Amish. Right? So I remember the Amish community close to my undergraduate school, uh, they catered these dinners and lunches. And so, how do you contact them? They have a phone installed at the corner of their property. And so, the, and, and so if we don't understand the, psycho, the, the principles of how they decide, we might say, ah, they're being hypocrites. But no, they are striking a balance. They say, we cannot let the phone interrupt our life with each other. Right? And so we are told always, if you try to make a reservation, you, know, you have to call a long, 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 and long time and let it ring.
And you know, we always got our reservations. I don't know, maybe there were like some bad Amish just sitting there waiting for business to turn up. But I don't think so, you know. They focus on their community. So likewise, you know, I said, so I don't want anyone out there, you know, watching this feeling like, you know, I'm criticizing that you're not here. That's not my point. It's like, we need to really be careful with things that we think is going to make it more convenient. So much of our problems come actually from there. We think that it's going to make things more convenient. We think it's going to make life better, easier. Let me ask you, for those of us who have lived long enough, and some of you have lived longer than I have, you think you have more time these days or more time 20 years ago? 20 years ago. What is all the technology that we have promising us? You will have more time now. More time to do what? Yeah, more time to make more money to get the next update. Yeah. I'm in that cycle, you know. So I have a six here. I'm like, ooh, seven plus. Got to work harder to get seven plus because other people are going at a different speed that I'm at going. Right? So, so all of this, you know, again, you know, I'm not anti-technology. But if you look... So it's not just about technology. Look beyond technology, which is everything that we think is going to make things easier. Please be suspicious of it. It's not uh, also, just to be clear, I don't believe in the Illuminati. (laughs) So I don't think there is a conspiracy somewhere by some, you know, how to... But I think it just appeals to our this kind of very short-sighted, you know. And so listening to Milarepa, you know, can help us really pause and say, hold on. There was some other story about, you know, this guy that comes to a village. I don't remember the exact how it works, but maybe some of you do. And coming and watching these people carry water every day, like from where the water source is to the village. And then he devises, you know, this this way to water wheel to move the water into the village. And then finally he presented it to the village elders. And they said, oh yeah, we thought of this 10 years ago. (laughs) But we turned down this technology because when everybody has you know water coming into their homes they're not meeting at the water source something as simple as that they're not meeting at the water source they know less about who's here and we don't want to give up that for so-called convenience so thank you for your technology we're not stupid (laughs) we've considered this then the next we're on page 7 if one neglects the teachings of the Buddha laboring away on one's farm is nothing but self-punishment so now he's addressing kind of a more ordinary folk and saying hey 
You know, if you just labor away in your farm or in your business, in your office, in your workstation, and then you neglect Buddha's teachings. Buddha's teachings here means you know, teachings to awaken. It need not mean Buddhism only, but whatever spiritual teachings that wake us up from these delusions that we have, then we can't get carried away. This is sort of what I was just saying, you know. We work so hard, then we think, you know, it's because for happiness. But if you don't have something to remind you, you know, what is reality, which is here we call teachings of the Buddha, but Buddha, we know, is not a person. <laughs> it's that principle of being awake, free from confusion. Mm-hmm. So, need not just be Buddhism. Then, the more work we do, the more we're just feeding the machine, so to say. And it's just self-punishment. Right? We work hard, so that we don't have to work so hard. <laughs> That's what we're being told. But it's actually, we work hard, so that we can work harder, so that we can work harder, so that we can work harder. I, I'll have more time. No. Objectively, time never changed, right? Still, 24 hours. But we have way less time than we did. 20 years ago. So, this is nothing but self-punishment. Then the next one, for those who do not guard their ethical conduct, prayers are but but wishful thinking. (laughs) So it says that if you don't act in a way that is consistent with your prayers. Then, prayers are just wishful thinking. You know, we do prayers because, at least in the Buddhist tradition, we do prayers to change our minds, to change our attitudes. And when our when our attitude changes then whatever problems that we're trying to overcome with our prayers begin to look differently. Begin to at least look differently. Is it guaranteed that you're going to overcome that problem? No guarantee. But without changing your attitude towards that problem, it's almost guaranteed that that problem cannot be solved. No matter what religious traditions, I think in part, prayer changes the way we, our attitude towards the problem. Then an opening occurs. Right? So in some religious traditions, we call that the, when the opening happens, 
Then in some religious traditions, then we say what? Grace comes through. In Christianity, right? We say, then grace comes through. In Buddhism, we say, when we pray, we allow some space, we introduce some space into the claustrophobia. And much of that claustrophobia is due to a very big eye sitting in a very tight space. So if you reduce that eye, then there's a little bit more space to work with. Then we say, in this case, the blessings of our Guru can come through. But we say, blessings of the Guru, of the teacher, of the principle of guidance, yeah, it's not like you know, Guru is you know, some master planner that goes, oh, yeah, you're praying to me. Okay, I'll reward you now. <laughs> we say, the blessings of the Guru comes through when we introduce some space. And that is devotion. And what is this blessings? Is that the words, the guidance that they have provided can come into our minds in times of difficulty rather than being cluttered with the noise and the confusion that is, you know, being stirred up. So, we have to guard our conduct. Conversely, you know, it's also true. If you do, if, if, if you're acting positive, but you're hurling curses, and praying negative things, right? Still, it also won't work. That's the good news. Because you're actually, right? <laughs> but here, you know, prayer and actions, right? they're directly related. If, you, if, 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 they are, if these two are moving in different directions, you know, then all the prayers you can do is just all wishful thinking. For those who do not practice what they preach, oratory is but faithless lying. So he's warning the teachers. Reminding himself, oratory is but faithless lying. You're just spreading rumors. <laughs> Wrongdoing shunned, sins of themselves diminish. So if we um, stay away, if we shun unskillful actions, actions that causes suffering for self and others, then sins of themselves would diminish. Good deeds done, then merit will be gained. Merit here is the fuel that we need for any of our desires or wishes to be fulfilled. And the word merit is kind of doesn't quite translate in our cultural context. People hear that and they think that is this like some sort of spiritual bank and you are greedily hoarding up you know spiritual money so that you can spend but really think of it as the fuel that you need to be happy the circumstances that you need to enjoy 
satisfaction. That's merit. And merit is gained when we engage in good. This is not moralistic. It's just, it's very natural. When you have done something that you know is good, you feel good about it. That feeling good is what gives us confidence. That things are workable. It's when we don't feel good about ourselves, it's often because we're caught up in cycles of pain. Then we cannot feel good about ourselves. If we cannot feel good about ourselves, we won't feel good about what's going on around us and what's going on beyond us. Then all the problems look bigger and bigger and more impossible and more impossible and more impossible. Then we get completely crushed. So first, we have to protect our own minds, our own hearts. Only by doing that, then we can protect beyond ourselves, others, people around us. Remain in solitude and meditate alone. Much talking is of no avail. Uh, here, remain in solitude and meditate alone. I always say, right? This instruction you see a lot in Buddhist texts. And yes, in a way, that's what you know we have to do. Kind of me time, so to say. But again, be careful. Huh? In a culture that is completely built on the idea that, you know, you exist as an individual and you are unique, you are special, and all of that. Uh, lots of good things to be said about that, but there's also lots of dangerous traps. Yes. Uh, when Mumilarepa tells his audience, remain in solitude, meditate alone. He's speaking to a society where it's impossible to be alone. You go up to the mountains to hide, people chase after you to give you stuff because you are a religious practitioner. (laughs) It's impossible to extract yourself from your web of connections. Here, sometimes people have not talked to their parents for years and years and years. Here, having your own space, not having a roommate, is a luxury that I would finally like to get to. In the society that he's talking to, being alone, living alone, is a tragedy. So he's trying to get them to re-evaluate that. So our aloneness leads to isolation and pain. This is not the kind of alone and solitude he's talking about. This is his talking about, you know. Don't get caught up with all the stuff that is going around you. So for us, it might not be uh, family. Some of us, it might not be family. But it's whatever web of confusion that we're caught up in. He's saying, 
pull yourself out from that so that you can do the inner work. And in any case, whether that society or this society, much talking is of no avail. <laughs> it only generates more chaos. Follow what I sing and practice the Dharma. Follow what I sing and practice Dharma. So this completes the Song of Seven Truths. Then the other songs are for the three Sundays that is coming up. Yes? Can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. If you go back to good deeds done, merit will be granted. Um, there's something that you've said repeatedly in this last week, and I still come up with a question. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Good deeds done. Mm-hmm. How does one, when you say protect yourself, protect yourself in your heart? Mm-hmm. You can physically not engage in the talk or not look at the media or whatever. There's a lot of things that you can keep mm-hmm. yourself safe. That's the first step, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there are situations that you have to work in and situations that will come up. And yes. More in the heart. How do you protect yes. that heart? What do you mean by that? How Apply the Jong teachings. Well, I, okay, I don't know those. What do you mean you don't know those? <laughs> That's what we've been teaching the whole time here. Okay. <laughs> the eight verses of mind training, that's Jong, right? All the dedication, we, we do Jung, that. Okay, it's the word. It yeah. The word doesn't... Yeah, I know mm-hmm. what those teaching, yeah. but... It, I, all right. So, you know what it says here? Remember what it says? May I train to cherish beings of bad nature and those oppressed by strong sins and suffering, as if I had found a precious treasure very difficult to find. You know who is the treasure today for many people in this room? Whoever it is. You know, I'm not going to assume too much. This is the Lord John teaching. When others out of jealousy treat me badly with abuse, slander, and so on, may I train to take on all loss and offer victory to them. <clears throat> Whenever I talk about Lord Jung teachings, I said it does not mean letting the world rot. However you think the world is going to rot under the wrong hands. But it does mean you are willing to admit I don't see the whole thing I don't know for certain what's going on but before I can do anything else I need to not be under the power of my own strong emotions that are flaring up right now whether happiness or sadness, actually. The other night I said to people, I said, if you are feeling kind of down now and sad and wanting to get rid of that feeling, in the next cycle of these elections, if your side happens to win, 
Please remember tonight. Please remember this week. And think about other people. It's so easy to just paint with, you know, a broad brush and say, definitely this is what's going on, for sure. The Lord John teaching said, first, when emotions flare up, watch and see how much of that is our own stuff that we have not dealt with that we carry around and how much of that we're adding into whatever problem is going on out there. You know, then, so what, 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 what we can provide, we, Urban Dharma, can provide is, is only these general uh, kind of guidance on how you should really guard your heart. Guard not in the sense of just protecting from but you're not protecting it from any outer harm that is coming you're protecting it from what protecting it from what emotions. afflictive emotions the desert fathers in the Christian tradition says you know have this one one tradition you know this prayer Lord protect me from myself Right? So it's not protecting from. Yeah. It's protecting from my inability to control my feelings when, when I come face to face with things that I cannot accept, that I don't like, I don't want. Right? So, so, so you have to protect it, not by this, but with eyes wide open. With eyes wide open, heads on. That's how you protect. Not by covering and hiding away. That's not Lojong. You know, that's not mind training. You're not training the mind. It's just taking a break from what you can't handle. Then when samsara feels good again, you know, oh, I'm back. Mm-hmm. Kindness, clarity, insight. Yeah, because um, there's a lot of smack going on for people who didn't vote in a certain way. People, people were so mad and so upset. And, and you know, it's just like, what's wrong here? Mm-hmm. Now we go back to the practice text. Page 30 of this um, for our guests who just came in. This next part is a little bit out there. So bear with us. But of course, when you have to go, you know, it's not impolite to go. Um, don't worry about that. Um, so then for the rest of you who have been here, then you kind of know what, where we are with this. Uh, it's the next set of supplications to Milarepa. Huh? Mm-hmm. So, so much of these teachings, right, emphasizes kind of toughness and independence. Again, we sometimes just look at those and then some of us like really like those teachings. But then we miss out on, there's another part which is touches the emotions. 
which is Guru Yoga. This longing, this prayer, this music, this sadness, this kind of touching the heart. You have to combine the two, you know. Otherwise, it becomes very dry. But if you just do like Guru Yoga, you know, like all those emotions, then it gets too wet, you know. (laughs) Then it gets all sticky. Then it's a swamp. Then it's like... (laughs) So it's two, you know, you need. So the top of page 30. The Lord who attained awakening in one lifetime and makes everyone who hears His name stir samsara from the root. The precious king of yogis, the glorious shape of Dorje in emanation form. The great father, cotton-clad venerable one, I, your child, am supplicating you with yearning devotion and trust you with no weariness in my mind. Hold me with your compassion here and hereafter. Bless me so that on this very seat I can generate sadness towards this short and impermanent life. Turn my mind towards the Dharma. Stop my straying into inferior and mistaken paths. And may all of my Dharma practice accord with the path. May I never confuse what is to be adopted and discarded with regards to karmic cause and effect. And may my vows and samayas be absolutely pure. Fully accomplish the contaminated and uncontaminated accumulations. Outwardly become free from the clutches of the eight worldly concerns and inwardly reach perfection by the path of melting bliss. Awaken in the heart of my heart the self-awareness that is not different from you, the cotton-clad Lord's three secrets, which is the truth of the innate self-aware Mahamudra, and the innate skillful display of three kayas, the adornments of suchness. May I attain true awakening in one instant, accomplish the supreme and ordinary siddhis, and have the ability to liberate all mother sentient beings equal to sky's infinity. Together. Om ah hong guru rana sarva siddhi hong. 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 Om ah hong guru ratna 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 sarva siddhi hong. So we'll do this feast offering quickly um, up here, um, which is what you can insert into the practice now. So on page 33. Um, so some um, quick uh, pointing out of some vocabulary. Uh, it says a tripod of human heads. And so if you're not familiar with this kind of imagery, it seems a little bit shocking. Wait, I thought Buddhists are peace-loving types. Mostly. Um, and for those who are not, they still don't cut human heads to uh, make into tripods. Um, this is talking about um, cutting or slaying the ego. Um, so these three heads you know, can be interpreted in many different ways, one of which is like kind of past, present, future. 
Any thoughts of past, present, future where you maintain this strong sense of I, me, and mine? You know, cut that off. Then make them into a tripod. And then on this vessel, it says, cut the rest of your body and dump it in there and cook it so that it becomes delicious food to be offered away. That's basically a very dramatic way of cutting ego grasping. Like that, The best offering we can give the world, the enlightened ones, the, the highest ideals that we look to, is to offer our own kind of, of a neurotic uh, I, me, mine. Cut that all, you know, offer it. So that's the underlying meaning of this. Um, so again, uh, I'm going to do um, first the top part of 33, so you don't need to do anything there, uh, except for when it comes to Om Ahong Hahori. Uh, that's the blessing of, of that, you know, the self that has been offered, you know, blessing that. At that time, we think, you know, that all this food that we placed here has turned into this elixir of primordial wisdom. Then the next part at the invitation, uh, we, we can do that all together. But in the, this part, it's not necessary. Although in the more traditional, as I said, uh, way of performing this, everybody chants it. But I, I, I want to emphasize, uh, at least this time, a different way. So remember that uh, we are in the divine form of Heruka Vajavarahi. Those of you familiar with this text. Om Kandarohe Hong Hong Pe Om Swabhava Shuddhasarvatharma Swabhava Shuddhohang Within the state of emptiness, Yam transforms into wind and Ram transforms into a mandala of fire. Upon it, Kam transforms into a tripod of human heads in the center of which is a vast and gigantic bliss container, the fee substances transmute into elixir of, immor- of primordial wisdom. Om Ahong Ha Ho Hi Om Ahong Ha Ho Hi Om Ahong Ha Ho Together on the next page. Whom I invite from the palace of Dharmadhatu in Akanishta, Bhagavan Dharmakaya Vajadhara, from the royal palace of Zahor Dilipa, the king of Siddhas, from the solitude of Pushpahari Narotapa, the yogi, from the excellent land of Drawulung, Lord Marpalodro, the translator, from Lapchi Pelgi Chubar, Venerable Dojekyansin. From the excellent land of Mount Shanti, Dakbodawo Shunnu. From the Dharma, Dharmodaya of Tatsapil, 
Dorje Gyalpo, the Lord of Migratory Beings, from the forest of Glorious Trigung, Swabavikakaya Ranashri, from the sun moon seat of my crown, the good root guru Vajadara, from any pure land you are dwelling in, assembly of excellent root and lineage gurus, from the expanse of spontaneous primordial wisdom, the ocean of conqueror Idam deities, from the palaces in the pure sacred sites, multitudes of darkest darkinis and secondary darkinis, from the frightening charnel grounds of a pure land, blood drinking Mahakala, from the supreme place of Drigong Changchubling, protectress of the doctrine Achi Chunidron, from the summit of the white, white crystal glacier, Lamen Tashi Serinma, from different lands and palaces, oath-bound protectors of the quintessence teachings. With yearning devotion, I invite all of you to this assembly hall of pure Samaya. These Gana Chakra clouds of offerings of Samantabhadra, blessed and transformed into uncontaminated elixir, I offer to you within the state of non-duality. Please enjoy beyond attachment and rejection, until I reach the royal city of Dharmakaya, mend my violations and ward off obstacles. Please bless me and grant me the cities. Gandachakra Pujakadi. So if we do this uh, more traditionally, then at, at that point, while all this chanting is going on, just so for people who do these practices, uh, a refresher, uh, you prepare a plate, which is what it says here, thus recite and offer the best portion of the Ganachakra. So then you prepare a plate that is offered to the Guru. Yeah. And um, that's like the best portion is... And then in this next part, it's uh, ourselves enjoying uh, the offering. Uh, but it, it gives some instructions on how you should uh, enjoy this, these offerings. Ho, oh, my own body, deity, complete with the three seats, by pouring these offerings into the inner fire, my quickly traverse the Vajra path and accomplish Mahamudra. Alala ho. Not just one person, just just get just get two pieces, two different things. Take that. So normally, again, at this point, the chanting of 
Vajasatwa, mm, purification and all that. And then, just wait, just wait, don't move. Mm. And then, um, then there is the um, partaking of the Kana Chakra. And then after that, this is what's called the remnants, which is what is left over is given to those who cannot come in uh, for whatever uh, reasons. So again, you know, reflect on the meaning of ritual. And what do, we, what do we mean by those who cannot come in and receive? If you take literally, then, then we believe that there are some beings you know, that cannot come in. But because they cannot come in, we don't forget them. We don't say, ah, oh, sorry, you know, you're irrelevant. So we still take the remnants and go outside of the limits and give it to them. So whoever needs it can have it. So this is kind of the idea of this remnant offering. You can stand here. The other thing important, uh, this time facing me first, the other thing that's important in the Gana Chakra, which is actually missing here, is what? Liquid. Liquid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Solids are skillful means compassion. Liquid is wisdom. So sorry, no wisdom available today. Um, so you need both solids and liquids. So please keep that in mind, okay? It's not always my job. <laughs> you all need to take care about these things and look. Yeah, If it's not been done, don't wait for something to happen. Uh, it, not yet have that power to just summon offerings that will appear. Um, then we have to go, you know, and so see and then go do it. Yeah. Om Makaro Mukansarwa Dharma Namajanubana Dwada Um Ahung Peswaha Um Makaro Mukamsawa Dhamma Namadyanubana Dwada Um Ahung Peswaha Um Akaro Mukamsawa Dhamma Nam Adyanubana Dwada Um Ahung Pe Soha Actually let um Maya hold. You need it for the Yeah, just hold first. Bio, the owners of the remnants of this great glorious assembly, the Dakinis arising from enlightened activities, arising from the activities of mantra and arising from this domain, come here and enjoy the remnant Balinta. Enjoy this glorious gift and pacify the adverse circumstances and obstacles for us, the yogis, including our retinues. Uchista Balinta Bhakta Bhakta
page 40 is the receiving of the uh, four empowerments from the Guru. So I will read and you um, can meditate on this. May our minds be ripened and liberated by the cotton-clad Venerable One and the assembly of the deities of the three roots. As we thus supplicate, the red needle dissolves into the central figure, and from him, white, red, blue, and yellow rays of light emanate, which then dissolves into our four places, and we receive the four empowerments. This purifies the four obscurations, and we all attain the four kayas. Thereafter, the Venerable One melts into light and dissolves into us. In this very state of great indivisible equality, all that appears and exists is Mahamudra, Emaho. Now the dedication together. As the conquerors and their heirs dedicated the virtues accumulated in the three times and the innately present virtue, I too follow in their steps and dedicate these virtues as means for attaining the great non-abiding awakening. In the clear sky of Dharmadhatu, may the bondage of all migratory beings, the snake snot of ego fixation, unravel itself and attain the non-mentation innate co-emergence, the level of Dharmakaya Vajadhara. May Lord Mila, the embodiment of the compassion of all conquerors, be my guru throughout all of my lifetimes. May I pacify the obstacles on the supreme and ordinary paths, and from within the state of luminosity, may I liberate migratory beings. May the blessings of the root and lineage gurus gather like a heap of clouds, removing the sorrows of the realms of existence. May the siddhis of the idam deities shower like a perpetual rain, increasing the harvest of benefit and joy. May the activities of the darkinis flash swiftly like lightning, dispelling the darkness of obstacles by the maras. May the might and power of the dharmapala shower like a rain of vajra fire, annihilating the hostile army of misleaders. May the splendor of blessings of the drops of elixir of the whispered lineage of Shepadurje, the crown jewel of hundreds of siddhas, shine brightly as the glory of the beings in the three realms, completely eliminating the darkness of samsara.
Thank you for listening to the Urban Dharma NC podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting our mission to foster a deeper understanding of the teachings of the Buddha, to build meaningful community, and to integrate contemplative teachings into everyday life. We invite you to make a donation online at udharmanc.com or make a purchase at our store, tibetanspirit.com. Thank you. May all beings benefit.